The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. How's everybody feeling? You guys feeling good? It's a new year, 2020. The longer I'm alive, the older I feel. Anyone else with me? All right, man, I remember growing up as a kid, New Year's Eve was like the funnest holiday ever. As an adult, all I want is my bed. Like, all I want is just to go to bed. That tells me I'm getting old and fat. But um, hey, we're so excited you're here today. My name is Andrew. My wife Amanda and I are the campus pastors here. And we're so uh, glad that you're a part of our church today, a part of our service. And we hope you felt welcomed when you came through the doors today. Super excited about the message today. I'm a pretty excited person in general. We did the Hawks Sunday today. Hopefully we're going to get a win today. Can I hear an amen? Amen to that. But more than that, we're excited because Jesus is alive. Can I hear an amen? Amen. 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 Several years ago, my family and I decided it would be a super fun idea to go to Gasworks Park on the 4th of July and celebrate in Seattle for the big celebration in downtown. How many of you have ever been to that celebration before? Anybody in here? Yeah, a few of us, okay. Yeah, they do it every year. And uh, this year, I don't know what got into us to want to go and, and head down to Gasworks Park to do this. So I remember we spent the whole day down there. It was hot. Uh, you know, summers in Washington are the best. Summers in Washington are the reason why we stay in Washington in January. And so, um, but we came, came to the park with the, you know, got the cooler. This is before Amanda and I had kids. Got the cooler and the Frisbee and the blanket and all that kind of fun stuff. And we got there in the afternoon with, with most people. I mean, most people maybe were working, not working that day, but the park was pretty much half full. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot of people around at that point. Um, obviously, the celebration is in the evening. And so I remember uh, you could kind of see where they were going to light off fireworks there on Lake Union. So we found a spot um, kind of on the hill there and put our blanket down. And, you know, having food, hanging out, you know, Throwing the football, throwing the Frisbee, families hanging out. I mean, it's one little family, cute little family, on a little picnic on their blanket. And we're just having a great time. As the sun began to set, we tried to, you know, kind of find our, our blanket, find the area that we were going to be hanging out in. We just kind of sat down, having appetizers, just hanging out, waiting for the sun to set. It feels like it takes forever because it doesn't set till like 9 o'clock. And so... Um, at about eight o'clock or so, you know, the park started, you know, started to be a few more people around, you know, coming to the park, started seeing, okay, you know, some spots filling up on the hill and some other spots filling up. And then, you know, 8.30 rolls around, a little bit more people started showing up and we're, you know, me and my family and, and, my, and my brothers and my mom and stuff, we're all kind of on this blanket. And, and then, you know, about nine o'clock, a little bit more people, you know, start showing up. And I don't know if you've ever like tried to like mark your spot with your own physical body, but I was like, you know, mom, we're, you know, man, we probably should like, I don't know, just kind of, you know, and you're just like trying to, you know, and, and more, more people started kind of coming in and it's like, that, that guy's stepping on my, he's stepping on my blanket. Mom, mom, he's stepping on my blanket. And so I'm like, sir, sir, that's my blanket. Okay. And so, you know, it's like, and then about nine, nine o'clock rolls around and just, you know, now we're just kind of like, squit, you know, people are squit and it literally, but like before the show started, I, I felt like, there was like people touching me everywhere, okay? Everybody was stepping on my blanket and I was getting mad as heck. And, and um, at one point I look at Manda and she's just like, I can't breathe, you know, I can't breathe. I'm like, you know, so she's like freaking out. And I feel like there was just people everywhere. By 10 o'clock when the show started, I literally like 
alcohol in this ear, just this guy just blitzed, and this lady screaming at the top of her lung, ah, fireworks! You know, just everyone just crowding in, and I don't know if that feeling of, if you've ever been in like a crammed elevator before, where you just, you're like, you got room? No, I'm gonna, oh, you got room? Okay. And you walk in, and you're just like, oh, you know, but just people touching me and touching everybody around me. And it was just crazy, chaotic, and just this feeling of crampness and grabbing and touching and everyone just real tight-knit and it was really gross, okay? Really gross. This is what Jesus experienced almost every day of his life. Like, no matter what, this is what happened with Christ in his life. He, he, would, he would try to get away from the crowds he would try to move into a, a, a place of prayer or, or try to you know, depart from the crowd. At one point, he would get into a boat to, to leave the crowd, to have time with the disciples. And on the other side of the lake, there, the crowd was waiting for them there. Like, this was just the normal life of Christ when he lived. Is that no matter where he went, wherever he walked, wherever he taught, there was always crowds. There was always people touching him. There were disciples always around him. And he could never get away from the crowd. Story we read today is found in Luke 8, and it's this, this experience that Jesus has in, in a crowd. He's in a crowded place with a bunch of people. There's a lot of people trying to get Jesus' attention. There's a lot of people looking for his love, looking for healing, looking for strength, looking for encouragement, looking for hope. They're all around. They're cl- you're clamoring for his attention. They're clamoring just to hear his words, to be touched by him, to be healed by him. And it's crazy. And the crowds are busy. And there's people all around Jesus trying to experience what he has to give to them. And in Luke 8, with the crowd and all this craziness, Jesus has this experience that we're gonna read about today of, of, of a person touching him that's different than anyone else that's touching him in this moment. We find this story in, in Luke 8. I wanna read it to you today. It's on the screen as well, but I always encourage you to, to bring your Bible to church as well. But it says in Luke 8 and verse 40, it says, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. There it is, they're waiting for him, wanting him to come and, and, and see him and experience his goodness. And there came a, a, a man named Jairus who was a ruler of the synagogue and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house for he had an only daughter, only one daughter, about 12 years, old, years of age and she was dying. So in this craziness and in this chaos and in this crowd of all these people, this man, this dad comes to Jesus freaking out because his daughter's dying and he wants Jesus to come and perform a miracle and do something to save his daughter. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. All right? I mean, there's the people in life who are touchy and there's the people in life who are not touchy. All right? How many of you, you're a touchy person? Raise your hand. All right? How many of you, you're like, don't touch me. I can't send hugs. I don't, yeah, a lot of us. Okay? I don't raise my hand because I'm a very touchy person. Okay? Um, but some people are not like this. Jesus was always being pressed around the crowd. As the people pressed around him, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. So we have this gal. She's been sick for 12 years. We have this, this daughter who's 12 years old, and they're both sick. And though she has spent all her living on physicians, she cannot be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceived that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, 
Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Story one ends. Story two. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler of the house came and said, your daughter is dead. Jairus, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this answer, do not fear, only believe. And she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except his three amigos, Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her, but he said, do not weep for she is not dead, but sleeping. (laughs) It says, and they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called her saying, child, arise, and her spirit returned. And she got up at once and he directed that something be given to her, should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell them, to tell no one what had happened. Let's pray for God's word today. God, thank you that you're here, that you're alive. Thank you for a new year. Thank you for what you're gonna do in 2020 in all of our lives. Thank you for faith. Thank you for great faith. Thank you that you, God, are moving in our families. You're moving in our culture. You're moving in our neighborhoods. You're moving in our workplaces. And we thank you, God, that you were in the crowd. Encourage us today by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I mean, you have this crowd and they're, they're, they're wanting Jesus and they're immediately wanting him to return so that they can talk to him and, and, and spend time with him. And this crowd is pressing on him. And there's all these people. And within this crowd, we, we meet this guy named Jarius who has one daughter who's dying and she's 12 years old. And it automatically just becomes this urgent matter. And so Jesus of course, believes in healing, wants to heal, wants to do something incredible. And so as he's going through this crowd of people trying to head to Jairus' daughter's house and trying to do something for Jairus' daughter, we meet this gal. We, We meet this gal and we don't even know her name. A lot of times in scripture, especially for gals, because they were not viewed high in society of that day, she's not named. We just know her by her illness. We know that for 12 years she's had some type of blood issue, some type of, of, of discharge of some sort, and, and she's not getting better. She's sick. She's been sick for 12 years. And in this crowd, as, as Jesus is heading uh, to one place, in this crowd where all these people are touching him, trying to get attention from him, trying to talk to him, trying to hear from him, trying to be healed by him, at, at some point, this gal just kind of reaches out and touches him, just in, in desperation. Now, again, it's hard for us to understand this because, you know, we, in, in, in Christian terms, we like do the side hugs, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay if like I hug a girl at the side or if a guy, you know, hugs, but in that culture, it was not like that. In fact, Jesus was considered a rabbi in that culture. So in that culture, for an unclean woman, because she had a blood issue, which based on the law, she was unclean. For a, for a woman, especially a woman unclean in that society, to touch Jesus, like that was like, uh-uh. That was like a big no-no. And so this was a big risk that she took to, to reach out and, and, and just try to touch his garment, just try to get a hold of, of something. And immediately in, in this story, Jesus is like, who, who touched me? And it's laughable because he's in a crowd with all of these people and everybody's touching him. Honestly, he, he can't get out of the crowd. There's people all around him. There's people stepping on his toes. There's people, you know, probably elbowing him. There's, there's people all around him touching him. And so, so Peter basically says, Master, everyone is touching you. 
Like, how do you want us to determine one person in this huge crowd touching you? How do you, how do you want us to determine that? We have no idea. He said, no, no, no. There is a person who's touched me, who has reached out to me differently than anyone else in this crowd. There's a person in the crowd here who has taken great faith and great risk to reach out and touch the hem of my garment. And I want to know who is it, who is this person that did this? It says that Jesus said, someone touched me for I perceived that power has gone out for me. And the woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. See, this story about the woman with the issue of blood is in every gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not all the gospels share the same stories, but this story is in every single one of the gospels. And I think there's a variety of reasons why, but one of the main reasons why I believe is that this lady is an incredible model of great faith. Because despite her own law, despite her being even potentially killed or stoned for what she did, despite the reaction of the crowd, this gal was desperate enough, had the faith enough, believed enough to do something and reach out to Christ to experience her healing. It's just an amazing example of great faith. And the reason why she comes trembling, the reason why she comes falling down on her knees is she realizes how big of a risk she took in touching the garment of Christ when she was considered unclean in her culture. This, this woman, desperate, took an act of great faith and explained why she touched him. And he says to her, go, your, your faith has made you well. We move on to this next story here briefly, and all of a sudden now, we see one healing take place. We see one miracle take place in the life of this gal, and now all of a sudden it turns deeply dark as people come to Jairus and come to Christ and say, hey, don't don't trouble the teacher anymore. Your daughter who's at home who was dying, who's 12 years old, she's now dead. So don't, don't, don't bother her. Don't bother him anymore. She's gone. And you can imagine Jarius in that moment as a, as a father. I'm a dad. I have girls. I have, a, I have a father just sitting there with his hands up going, how did this happen? And you can imagine the heartache and the pain that, that he's experiencing as he hears this news. But Jesus, on hearing this news, says to him, do not fear. Only believe and she will be well. And Jesus travels to this house. It's, it's like a, a funeral. They travel to the home and everyone is around the body and this little girl is not breathing and everyone is weeping and crying and it seems all hope is lost and it seems everything is broken and it seems everything is dark and you walk into this thing and there's no one talking. I'm sure you've been to memorials and funerals. Not a lot of talking that happens. It's quiet, it's somber and everyone's just looking and it just seems so dark and so hopeless and it seems like nothing good can come from this. And Jesus at one point says, do not weep for she's not dead. She's only sleeping and the crowd and their unbelief and don't really believe in what Christ can do or just start laughing at him. Just start laughing like, like just start laughing at him. <laughs> you're, just, no, she, you're not seeing what's happening here. This is a hopeless situation. Jesus takes her by the hand. He says, child arise and her spirit returned and she got up at once and he directed that something should be given her to eat. 
One uh, article I read on this passage said that Jesus got the final laugh or the last laugh. That in a situation that seems so desperate, seems so dark, seems so gone, yet with Christ, something incredible took place. See, every time a new year begins, and it happens in different ways for different people, but anytime a new year begins, there's always, you know, there's like New Year's resolutions, or there's goals, or there's, you know, new habits that we want to start or, or, you know, attempt to do in, in the new year. And I think those are all good things, but when, whenever there comes a new year, there's always this, uh, I think what I uh, term like the spirit of expectation. You're just, you know, you're expecting something different happen to, to your life. You want something, you want something to change in your life. You want something new for your family. Maybe there's a, a business opportunity. Maybe you need to move. Maybe, you know, there's all different things that happen, but with the new year always comes expectation. And for me personally, when I even think about expectation, I, I just think about the way I grew up with both my parents who were in ministry and both my mom and my dad just kind of, um, would infuse in us this, this spirit, and I've talked about it before, the spirit of expectation. That, that when we would come to a service like this, or when God's people would gather in a home, or when, when life would happen you know, with one another, my, my parents really modeled and showed me that we should expect God to do something in our lives. We should expect God to show up and to do incredible things. We should expect God that when we come into a gathering even like this, that God wants to do something in the lives of every single person here. And it's of that belief, honestly, it's of that belief of why I probably became a pastor. Because I love coming into a Sunday. I love Sundays, my best day of the week. I love Sundays because I believe that in this moment of time, every time we gather, Sunday, life group, events, whenever God's people gather, I believe that something is gonna happen in the life of you and me. I always expect that. I expect someone's gonna be healed right here in this moment. I expect someone's gonna be saved here today. I, be, I believe someone's gonna find hope and encouragement. I believe that. And I think there's something incredible about having a heart of expectation. This gal believed that if she just touched the hem of Jesus' garment, she would be healed. What great expectation and faith she had to believe that Christ could do something in her life. And I want to remind you of just a couple things as we start a, a new year today about this um, heart of expectation, about great faith. In 2020, I really believe we should expect God to do mighty acts in our lives. And we should expect that God wants to use us in this world and in this culture. See, what we learned from this gal, that's an important thing to notice, is that it takes great faith and great risk for God to use us. It does. It takes great faith. In order for God to use us, in order for us to believe that God can do something through you and me, what we learn from this gal's life is the same thing that is required today is that Christianity always requires great faith and great risk. It always does. Because the place that God uses people is when they step out and do something that is extremely uncomfortable and they do something for God. That's where God meets you. God never meets you safe in the boat. God never meets you when you're just relaxed. God meets you and I when we're in the crowd and there could be risks, there could be shame, there could be different things, but we're in the crowd and we're reaching and believing for him to do something in our lives and it takes great risk and faith to do that. 
And I would say to you today in 2020, that if faith for you today as a Christian, if you feel like in your life today as a Christian, that there's nowhere in your life where you're having to step out and have great faith, I would encourage you to start thinking about how comfortable you are in your walk with Christ. Because Christianity always requires great faith. Why? Because it takes great faith to be a Christ follower in our world today. It takes great faith to be a light in the darkness in our workplaces. It takes great faith to believe that our neighbor can find Christ. It takes great faith to witness to the grocery clerk. It takes great faith to have integrity and to live with passion. It takes great faith to have a strong marriage and Christ-centered kids. That takes faith. It takes great faith to do that. But I believe for 2020, we should expect that God wants to do something in our lives and through us. But it's gonna take, it's gonna take great faith. It's gonna take great faith. In 2020, I also believe that God wants to use you. I believe God wants to use you. And I believe he wants to use you in all the places of influence that you walk every single day. Whether it's your job, your neighborhood, your family, your church, the sports team, the social activity you're a part of, at the stores where you shop, I believe God wants to use you. If we think about this story in this way, and we think about Christ and what he did, in Jesus' day, because he was physically alive, in Jesus' day when people were broken and people were hurting, and people were needing healing, and people were needing grace, and people were needing compassion, and people were needing love, you know where they went? They went to Jesus. We see it. The crowds, he would cross the lake, they'd wait for him there. He'd cross the other side of the lake, they'd wait for him there. Sermon on the Mount, crowds there, he speaks the sermon. Crowds follow Jesus wherever, why? Because they believed that he was the hope. They believed that he had something for them. They believed that if they just got a little word, a little thought, just the hem of a, of a garment, that God could do something, that Christ could do something in their lives. I mean, that was what it was like in Jesus' day. Well, in 2020, there's still people who are broken. There's still people who are needing healing. There's still people that are needing compassion and love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. There's still people needing acceptance. There's still people needing freedom from addiction and bondage. There's still people in darkness needing the light of Christ. And now where do people go? Now, now who will they go to? You and me. You and me. You and me are now the agent that God called when he ascended into heaven. You and me. We should expect that God wants to use you and me. We should expect that God wants to use you and me wherever we go and whatever we do. This week, I thought it was a really cool thing. My, my wife told me, she kind of told me out of the blue, and I was like, wow, babe, that's awesome. But she kind of downplayed it, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upplay it a little bit. Um, this week, my wife was at the grocery store. And again, I just think this is a great example because a lot of times you think, well, God just wants to use you, man, because you're loud and excited and you say really cool things. And that's awesome. But you know what? That's not true, okay? God wants to use each and every one of you this year. 
And I love my wife shared the story with me. She said she's at the grocery store. And man, when you go to the grocery store with kids, it's like a nightmare, okay? So don't ever do it. But if you have to go to the grocery store with your kids and you have to shop, it's insane. And so you're trying to wrangle them in. You're trying to do all that stuff. And as she was at the store, she's, you know, the, the clerk or whatever was, you know, scanning the groceries. The, the lady just began to open up to Amanda. She was just like, hey, you know, um, this has been happening. I, I don't know. Amanda just has a, a, a way of just bringing things out of people. She's really good at that. And so this lady started opening up and the line was kind of backed up a little bit. And my wife just felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to say, hey, can I just pray for you right now for what's going on in your life? Would you mind if I pray for you? Right there in the line with the people behind him, like, <laughs> gotta get to the game, you know? And the lady's like, yeah, I'd love for you to pray for me. And my wife just prayed for her in that moment. God wants to use you. Yeah, I was thinking about, even as I was praying this morning about this message, I don't go to the eye doctors very much, probably because my eyes are amazing. But um, uh, I think when you go to the eye doctor, from what I remember even as a kid, I'm pretty sure like 2020 is like perfect vision. Is that right? Am I, am I, are you tracking with me? Like that's good vision, isn't it? And I was even thinking about this year. Like it's 2020, like wow, how is it 2020? But then I just thought, I started thinking about it spiritually for a minute. Like, wow, God, it's 2020. Maybe, maybe in 2020, you want us to see more clearly. Yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, maybe, maybe in 2020, you want us to see the neighbors we li- live next to differently. Yeah, that, that sounds really good. Wow, this is good preaching, Andrew. Thank you. Maybe, maybe, in, maybe in 2020, you need to see an opportunity differently. You know, maybe in 2020, you've worked at the same job day after day, year after year. You've been doing it for years, the same grind. But maybe in 2020, tomorrow when you walk into your workplace, you need to look at that place in an entirely different way. You need to look at the people, the guy with the foul mouth, the, guy that, the, the gal that's been married three times, the lady that parties on the weekends, the one that wants nothing to do with Jesus. Maybe you need to look at them entirely differently and go, man, they're just worthy to be found people. That's what they are. They're just worthy to be found in people. And my job is to bring light and love and compassion and grace and mercy into their lives. And man, God, I pray you give me an opportunity to pray for them. God, I pray you give me an opportunity to invite them to you. I pray you give me an opportunity to invite them to a Hawks party or invite them to my home for dinner. I pray you give me that opportunity because in 2020, Lord, I want to see differently. Man, that's so good. Oh my gosh, this is so good. So good. Right, like, I think we have to think and see differently. I was also thinking about this story of, of Luke 8 and Jesus' life and where he always was and who he chose to associate with. And I thought about this too. Man, Jesus chose to always be in the crowd, always with people who didn't believe. Always, with, I mean, he got accused of that. You're having dinner with tax collectors and sinners. And I'm telling you, if you want God to use you in 2020, you got to be in the crowd. Like, you got to be around people who are broken, who are lost, who don't know Jesus. The light shines best in the darkest of places. It does. But if it's just us four and no more, and all we do is huddle together as the church, but we don't recognize that we are the light of Christ in the world. We are the little Christ in the world. He wants to use you in the crowd. He wants to use you with people who don't know him and he will meet you and he will grow you and he will use you, but only in the crowd. He will not use you and grow you when you're safe. But when you step out and ask God to use you and ask God to let you see differently, I guarantee you he will meet you every single time. 
Every single time. In 2020, I, I just wrote some statements down of, of the new year. I, I just believe these declarations of faith. I'm, I'm into declarations of faith. In 2020, I'm, I'm believing for great faith to rise in the room. I'm just believing for faith just to rise in this room. I pray that in 2020, when you walk through these doors on a Sunday, you walk in with just such expectation, such excitement, such as if it's Hawk Sunday every Sunday. Like, I, I wish I could take the energy we have for the Hawks and put it towards Jesus and we would see revival. You know? Like, I, I, I just wish, you have, I wish you'd walk in the room and walk in your workplace and walk in your family with great faith that God can do the impossible, that God is able, that he's willing, that he wants to. Man, I, I, I pray in 2020 that this room would just be filled, overflowing with people. Yeah, man, I want this church to grow, y'all. Like, you look at the seats, like, just look around you for a minute. There's a lot of seats in here that are empty. Like, I'm not satisfied. Why? Because one person that says yes to Jesus is one person experiences his hope, his forgiveness, and his love. And I'm, I'm believing in 2020, this room is going to be packed with people. We're going to have to add services. You're like, okay, I heard this before. More services. We're going to have to add more volunteers. We're going to have to have more people on the worship team. We're going to have to have more people running sound so poor little Tony here doesn't have to do it every week. Right? That's what I'm believing for. There'll be people walking through these doors that you've invited, that you got to know, that you've built relationship with, that they find faith in Christ. I mean, that's why we're here. The one thing on earth that we will not do in heaven is bring people to Jesus. It is the greatest mission and vision and platform God calls us to is to reach people for him. It's our number one purpose in life. I'm believing for it. In 2020, I'm, I'm believing we're gonna see miracles. I'm believing we're gonna see healings. I'm believing we're gonna see signs and wonders. And I'm believing that the God of the Bible, the Jesus that I read about every single day is gonna do the impossible in my life and in yours. I'm believing that today. I'm, I'm believing in 2020 that you will be agents of hope to a broken world. You'll walk out of here today and go, man, I have hope, I have encouragement, I have joy, whether or not the Hawks win or lose, I have hope, I have encouragement, I have joy. On Monday when I wake up, win or lose, I have hope, I have encouragement, I have joy because Jesus won on the cross and the resurrection. Can I hear an amen? Man, I'm believing that God wants to use you, and I know, I've been in church my whole life, I know you always think it's just the pastor, it's just the good-looking worship leaders, it's just the people that are really good with their words, but I'm here to tell you, you have opportunity. Hello, hello, see, it's not my voice. You have opportunities that I will never get to share the love of Christ with people. You have opportunities to show the love of Christ that I will get that you will never get. And that's why we need one another. But I hope and pray today that you would see, man, Christ wants to use me in my life. Paul told us that the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives inside of you and me. That's so encouraging. In Jesus' day, he was the X factor. In our day, you're the X factor. In Jesus' day, everyone looked to him. And today, everyone's looking to you. You are now the hope of the world. You are now the light in the darkness. Paul said, you are now the aroma, the very fragrance of Christ. 
It's just amazing to think about that. God, you want to use me in 2020. And I'm going to see differently. I'm going I'm to expect differently. My faith is going to grow and going to rise. And I'm going to see people the way you want me to see them, God. I'm going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to do what you want me to do because that's what you're calling me to. I mean, this lady, she was so desperate, sick for 12 years. She was so desperate. And she believed, man, if I could just reach out, just touch the hem of it, just, ah, I'll be healed. How many people in our lives every day are just, just grasping? They're, they're grasping, oh man, I'm so hopeless. I'm so lost, I'm so broken. They're reaching so hard. And God's put you in their life. They're already reaching, my friends. You just gotta see it. You just gotta be bold enough to, to say it. You gotta be willing to do it. I'm gonna tell you a real humbling thing that happened to me about a year ago and then I wanna pray for you. About a year ago, year and a half ago, Amanda and I had to take this like uh, eight hour assessment uh, to do the campus pastoring thing. And it was this, this long, long assessment. It was an interview uh, via Skype with this gal. It, it was an eight hour interview with like a 15 minute break. It was insane. And uh, they, they did this just to, to see qualifications, to see, you know, prerequisites of, you know, do you have this? Do you know how to do these things? And all these different questions. And it was extremely intense. And then they, she graded us based on, uh, you know, green, you were passing, yellow, need to improve, red, you're going to hell. No, I'm just kidding. But right? like she graded you based on these three categories. And I'll never forget, this question has haunted me every single day. Personally, it's haunted me. So let's step out of the fact that I'm a pastor and I do that for a living. Let's just look at Andrew as a Christ follower. This question has haunted Andrew as a Christ follower. She said to me, Hey, Andrew, how many have you personally led to Jesus Christ? And I, her name was Kathy, and I said, oh, I said, well, I mean, you know, I speak on Sundays all the time, and, you know, I give a salvation message, and I ask people to raise their hand to receive Christ, and, I mean, I can't, I mean, hundreds, you know? She said, no, 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 it's not what I asked you. How many have you personally led to Jesus Christ? Like how many, how many people in your life have you prayed with as a Christ follower, not as a pastor, as a Christ follower, how many people have you brought to Christ personally as yourself? I'm like, this is gonna be in the red, you know? <laughs> like, uh, uh, oh, oh man. Uh, man, Kathy, oh. Gosh, man, let me think here. Hmm. Can I get back to you? I was like, ah. I think I came up with like one. And it was like 15 years ago. It, was, it just haunted me. It haunts me every day. I talk to Amanda about it every day. Because a lot of times we think our responsibility as Christ followers is to get them to church. But it's actually our responsibility as Christ followers to get them to Christ. And I, I pray, because it's haunted me, and now I pray, it'll haunt you. I pray you wake up every day and ask yourself, who am I leading to Jesus Christ personally? You're welcome, Chris. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you today. 
that we are the light in the darkness because Jesus, you are the light of the world. And I pray, God, our faith would rise in this room, God. Our expectations would rise in this room, God. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, we would walk out of here believing God wants to use me. In 2020, God wants to use me. He wants to use me in my workplace. He wants to use me on the sports team. He wants to use me in the grocery store. He wants to use me wherever I go. He's asking me, will you go? And I thank you, God, that faith will rise in this room. I thank you, God, that you have won the victory. And I thank you, God, that you will meet us in the crowd. God, when we go, when we are a light in the darkness, you're gonna meet us at every corner. We thank you for this gal, this lady, we still don't even know her name, just in desperation, just, Lord, I believe. We thank you for, for Jarius, God, and in his darkness, you came in and performed the impossible. We thank you, God, you're gonna do it again. And I pray today, God, lastly here, that that question, Lord, that still haunts me every single day, who have you personally led to Jesus Christ? I pray, God, that that would be our, our, our anthem. We'd wake up every day going, I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw people to you, Jesus. I'm on mission for you, Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We thank you for it. In your word and in your name we pray, amen. Well, I'm excited for 2020. I hope you are as well. I wanna mention just one quick thing and then we'll get to go watch the Hawks win, amen? One quick thing, our life groups, they ramp up in about a week. We have groups that meet all throughout the community uh, in homes. If you're looking to get connected to a life group, you can connect uh, with the team there out in the lobby. We'd love to get you connected to a group because they start back up in a week and we think it's a great opportunity for people to connect with one another. Can I hear an amen? With that, have a great day and go Hawks. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.